When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I'll bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Yeah. Okay, you, are you ready to start? I'm ready. Everyone sign? Yes. Good. On we go. You're listening to the Tom Bernard Podcast with Catherine Brandt. Hey, I met the missus at paintball. Shot her in the neck. Alex Brandt-Bernard. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Are you my Tony Lee. What's the matter with you people? I was joking! <laughs> and Sean Bernard. Look at that boyish face. I'm gonna fucking lose my mind! Hey! Hey! Ah, hey. oh, he's here. How nice. Yeah, I can relax. Oh, Gustaki's back in our lives. <laughs> that's all the difference in the world. <laughs> I'm so happy we don't have to play Atlanta next week. Thank God you'd have, I'd never heard the end of it. <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> Sorry, we're down in Florida trying to be warm. I have an aunt in Boca. I'm there a couple times a year. Does she talk like this? <laughs> She's she's got a Greek accent, so. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for Kostaki Economopolis and Quick Snaps on the Tom Bernard Podcast. Good morning, Good morning, sir. Good morning guys. Constantinopolis. Papa Dapa Constantinopolis. So Atlanta's just sitting around in their ass waiting. Seattle comes to Atlanta and and they're gonna lose. I don't know if that's true, but I like the way it sounds when I say it. If, I understand that. If you want to go from Seattle to New Orleans, you got to stop in Atlanta. That's true on Delta too. Oh, and very. That's true. Yeah. So looking at the divisional round, the scariest team is Atlanta because I'm a Falcons fan and I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll be fine. I, you know, to tell you the truth, it's going to be you and the Packers. I would assume. In the NFC Championship. I hope so. I think so. We'll see. Well, I'm rooting for the Niners, actually. I think they're an easier team to beat. Yeah, I know. But we've got to handle the Seahawks first. They're they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. They really are. Yeah. 24 unanswered points. They look terrible early and great late, like Cher on a show day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Redskins are the opposite. No one's gone from looking that good to looking that bad since Bruce Jenner. Oh, <laughs> he does look horrible. Yeah, he does. He did it to himself. Yeah. The Redskins were dominant for a short time, then they fell apart. You know who else did that in Washington? The Republican Party. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a fact. <laughs> so you can tell it's the playoffs because they really crank up the intensity of the subway commercials. They are seriously <laughs> everywhere. Who, who is Mike Lee? Mike Lee, I don't know. He's in the subway commercials. He goes like me, Mike Lee, and I'm like, who the hell is Mike Lee? I have the same question. I do not I'll know the answer. To that. Just a huge customer. <laughs> just, yeah, there you go. He goes there every day. Wild card weekend, or as my girlfriend calls it, football is still on. Yeah. <laughs> Ray true. Lewis acquitted himself nicely in this final game in Baltimore. No surprise. <laughs> He's used to being acquitted. <laughs> He's retiring. How is he going to get all that aggression out now? Is This is bad Ooh. news for his karate sparring partner. And that war dance, is he going to do that in the first tee now? Is that what happens? And what about that helmet? <laughs> what was that thing? I think that's cool. And the crazy robo arm? Yep. He's retiring to go to work in television. You know who else did that? Vince Young. He just installed my cable. Oh, <laughs> poor Vince. Yeah, he uh, he's broke. Yes, he is. I tried to write some jokes about the Packers-Vikings game, but it was more exciting to stare at the blank page. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah. What happened? No, Let me ask you a question. Sad. How are you an NFL general manager, and that's your backup quarterback? Joe Webb completed 11 of 30 passes, which averages out to traded in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Might turn him into a wideout, maybe. Yeah, well, actually, that's where he—that's how he started, right? Right. And Ponder, you know, he. He had fans calling for his replacement all season. Then he yes. played just well enough for them to be disappointed that he didn't play. He's yes. inventing new ways to be disappointing. <laughs> I think he's standing on the sidelines going, hey, so you didn't like me, huh? Uh, yeah, right? Christian Ponder quietly hoping that the game's a disaster. Vikings got blown out. To see people in purple this embarrassed, you got to go back to Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. <laughs> Adrian Peterson still got 99 yards. He would have had more, but he was exhausted. From carrying the team all season. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God! Was. Wasn't that unbelievable? By the way, 94 more yards than I moved all weekend. Football still on. Yeah, I know, right? And Aaron Rodgers was awesome. He completed passes to 10 different guys. What a Kardashian would call a slow night. Oh. <laughs> Texans beat the Bengals most on the strength of their defense. It's a shame JJ Watt wasn't at the Alamo. Might have had a different turnout there. Isn't he unbelievable? He really is. Um, the Bengals played so badly on Saturday, the team bus dropped him off in Cleveland. And apparently the only people affected by the physical cliff were NFL coaches. Like, seven of them were fired. I think the Mayans had it right. They were talking about the end of Norv Turner's coaching world. Oh, God. It's about time for him to stop being a head coach, don't you think? Yes. I don't, for the life of me, every, at least in the last decade, every time he has a job, it, his team is terrible. I don't know how he continues to get work. He'll be a coordinator somewhere. That's fine. Yep. Tom Gamble might wind up the Jets general manager. Really, after Tebow, the Jets want to take another gamble? Aussie. Oh, <laughs> play, everybody. Hey. Word play. You sounded kind of like Durbingle at Christmas. Word play, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> The Chiefs replaced head coach Romeo Cornell with Andy Reid. Sounds to me like six of one, half a dozen wins of the other. Uh, <laughs> come on, that's a good job. Slow. Should we laugh? And uh, we'll close on this little chunk. Rex Ryan apparently has a tattoo of his wife wearing a Mark Sanchez jersey. Does this story even need a joke? It's so sad. No. Appropriately, Rex is really going to wish that that tattoo would get picked off. 
Oh, oh. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that makes Rex's wife one of the two people in the world still willing to wear a Mark Sanchez jersey. The other being Mark, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, maybe maybe she's the only one. Mark Sanchez probably has a tattoo of himself wearing a Tom Brady jersey. You are the best in the business, sir. We will continue next week, I hope. You're a good man, and hopefully when we continue next week, we'll be talking about the Falcons' uh, recent victory. That's all I have left now is I can root for Atlanta just for you. Now you can root for, for my team. That's I good. can. We're we on need your a little side. extra mojo. We're not so good in the playoffs. We'll see. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Papadapa Constanti Costianopolo Potopotopolis. Great. Oh, this cold is killing me. Thanks to me, that hilarity happened. What episode oh, was that? It was a I fine find. You still got a cold? Yeah, he does. I oh. still have a cold. Th- three weeks later, I have the same cold. Oh, that sucks. It's just uh, unbelievable. How long it lasted for me, so thanks. thanks. Happy New Year. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Oh, there it is. Brennan Simby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Billy West, our guest this morning here on the Tom Bernard Podcast. Billy, great having you on, sir. Thank you. I think it's probably the first time I've uh, had the chance to speak to you. Yeah, I, I, I would guess over the year. I just missed you. You you started doing voiceover in New York in, in the mid, mid-80s? Uh, yes, I got there. Yipes. Um... Probably about eighty nine. That's what I would say. Yeah, I had, I had left in eighty six. I was doing. I was with Don Buckwall doing voiceover, living in New York. Oh yeah. And left there in nineteen eighty six to come back to Minnesota because my wife and I were expecting our. By the way, A baby. Catherine is my wife. Alex is our daughter. Andy is our son. And Tony Lee is with us also. And I have to tell you something. When 
our son Andy, who's 26 years old, heard that you were going to be on the show. He said, my God, he's by far the biggest star I'll ever talk to. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, always guys. Yeah. I mean, well, for I him mean, to know anybody. It's never like, like some beautiful woman going, you know, I... I I want to be him. <laughs> I want to be, be under him. And, and... Not a lot of girls watched Ren and Stimpy. I watched it. Alex did. We watched it as a family. Did you watch the Stooges too? Yes. Yep. Not uh, a no girl. wonder Tom married you, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know, uh, actually, Billy, I'm very, very lucky because both my wife and my daughter have great senses of humor. It's not like this, oh, God, that's guy humor. That's not funny or blah, blah, blah. Well, that's, you know... I, it sounds kind of like a rare thing. I mean, you would think in my house that everything was like, you know, circus atmosphere and everything. And <laughs> it was like the clampdown. I, I, I came from such repression you wouldn't believe. No wonder I went nuts when I was 21. <laughs> I just exploded. I was so, I was so uh, regimented and rules and this and that and the other thing. If I was making, you know, I mean, I used to make noises and, and tourette out little voices and stuff like that. And all I right. ever heard was, can you not do that? <laughs> you know, the piano lid would be open. I'd come over and try to figure out how to play. And it's like, can you not do that? <laughs> was it a military family? What was that all about? No, my dad was a psycho is what it was. <laughs> okay. Awesome. He was, ball, you know. Uh, certifiable. And another thing you have in common, Tom. Billy, actually, uh, <laughs> it is interesting because you and I are about the same. I think you're a year older than I am. Yeah. And uh, my father was institutionalized, <laughs> paranoid, schizophrenic. So we got a lot in common, Billy. Well, you know what? My dad um, never was diagnosed or anything. I mean, he, you know, we just we just knew what he was up to. And what were you going to do? Go march down to the hospital and say, could you guys get the butterfly net and come <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there was nothing anybody could do. And uh, my mom was very brave, though. She just grabbed three boys one day. We took us out of school, and we were on a plane to Boston. And uh, from Detroit, right? Yeah, from Detroit. God, that's an amazing story. It, it literally. I mean, we didn't move. My my dad just left for the institution and came back when I was about 16 for about a month or two. And then next time I saw him, he was on his deathbed. Oh, wow. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting way to grow well, up. I mean, you know, I, mean I, I had to, like, somehow forgive. Sure. I never saw him after I was 10 years old. But, I mean, I, I grew up shadow boxing. The guy was like I could never do right by him. Right. And that's probably why I, I was so compelled to, to want to be a superlative. That's all I cared about was, like, I just want to bring something to the table. I want to be the best, you know. Um, I, I think it was, um, oh, God, you know, that, that counter-reaction to somebody telling you you're nothing and laughing at your right. endeavors and your attempts and everything. No, you're absolutely And, again, another thing in common, my father left when I was 10 years old as well, exact yeah, same time. Wow. You know something that we have a lot in common then? We, because my father... A, 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 a three-decade-long alcoholic drug <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, Billy. <laughs> but yeah, he, it, it, I went through the same thing. I had an older brother, and that's my older brother was a big deal, and I was nothing. I mean, it's just how it was. Yeah, but you know, in a way, think about it. We wouldn't be here talking to each other if things hadn't gone down the way they did. No question. I mean, another time. So I, I, I missed you in New York by a couple of years, and I missed you during the Howard Stern era because you left, and then he came into the Minneapolis-St. Paul market in '98. 
Oh, yeah, I was gone. And you were gone, then, and he, this is the only place he ever lost. Wow. The only place, yeah, it, it was a... And you can check, by the way, everybody goes, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> you know something, Tom? Nobody cares. No, you're right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right about that. You know, it's like, it's like worrying about, like, micro-life. <laughs> you know, at the beach, you know, when you dip your toe in the water, it's like there's this whole world going on, but... <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. But you know what? The only reason I even mentioned that was because it was another era when everybody said to me, "Well, your career's pretty much over. That'll be the end of you." Oh yeah, that was. I mean, that was sort of the the bellwether thing of the time, though. Right, right. Um, you know, it was like batting down the hatches. You know, Stern's coming to town, and right. But the thing was, is that, you know, I always thought like diversity. Like I never listened. Uh, I, I'm very political. Oh, really? And I listened uh, to a lot of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say intellectual radio, I want to say talk radio, um, rather than music. I would listen to my own weird selections of music at home. I'm very dark, and I used to listen to a lot of Aaron Copeland, you know, that dark, sure. gothic yeah. stuff. Because, uh, sure. you know, it made me feel like I was alive. A lot of times I couldn't feel anything until uh, I kind of straightened out, you know, cut through all that scar tissue from childhood. And uh, I would play just like this dark, dark music. And i say, why do you listen to that crap? And I said, because I feel something. I mean, feeling bad is better than feeling nothing. Yeah, that's true. You know, weird, weird stuff. But, uh, you know, I mean, at least we're here. We're, we're chatting it up. And, um, you know, life is, is pretty good. And, well, uh, oh, you know, this whole thing with the Mayans. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. The Mayans couldn't even see their own demise coming. Right. You know, how could they know what was going to happen today, this afternoon? Yeah, I don't think that's too pot. Matter of fact, the mines that are left on, on uh, the earth are basically, and this is true, they're basically cab drivers in Mexico. Well, <laughs> that's true. What? That's a true. I'm not kidding. It's true. Wait a minute. I thought they, I thought like, they were all gone. Yeah, I thought they nope, were. there's some left. They sped up their energy so much that they became light and disappeared. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it it's kind of a sad story. Well, we just, as a matter of fact, I still do the KQ Morning Show here in Minneapolis as well. Uh-huh. I've been on it for 27 years. We, uh, oh, do you know what an, an anomaly you are? Yeah, I know. It's weird. You know, it's like, uh, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is, uh, what the hell, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> You're always on the bus, right? Yeah, always, always. Well, I mean, that's kind of the, the norm. I was never I was never a disc jockey. I was always like a guy who who put together stuff and got it on the air, whether it was come up with a character or come up with a bit. You know, you always had to have a bit. Do you, uh, do you remember the first voice that you did? Or was there one first voice? Or was it just... I know that you're a huge fan of Larry Fine. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Um, the first voice... I don't know. You know, I was like, the Stooges had a big impact on me. But in way more ways than, than just, like, nutty characterizations. I mean, I was learning how to act by watching them. Did you, you know, teach? I mean, it wasn't just random. Right. I mean, just, my mom would come in, look at crazy people, and roll her eyes and walk out. You know, like, how can you watch those awful, horrible men? And I'd say, Mom, <laughs> they're great. They smack each other in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and when I first heard that stuff... I, you know, everybody could do Mo and everybody could do 
uh, Curly, but nobody gave a damn about Larry, which fascinated me. That's you know, true. the little that he said used to kill me. Hey, Mo, there's too much tinsel in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mo, you took my money, right? Yeah. Champ, he's come back to haunt us. <laughs> phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Hey, Mo, I broke your Pesach dishes. <laughs> Pesach. There's a nice reference. This is the dairy. What's the matter with you? <laughs> talking about Pesach and the dairy plates. and Yeah, now we're talking. I, I had heard a rumor, and I don't know I, this is a... a it was just a rumor, if it's true or whatever. But someone told me that you taught Sean Hayes how to how to do Larry Fine's voice. Is that true? Oh, Sean Hayes, yeah. I coached him. I thought you did. That's what I had heard. I was hired as sort of a consultant, but I wound up working with Sean Hayes, uh, the guy that was Mo. I never had I never had to do anything. I mean, that guy was just like he was born to be Mo. I mean, I just thought it was a great portrayal. Will Sasso, I helped a little bit. Uh, as Curly, I just told him some stuff, you know, like um, like something I knew that I didn't think anybody else in the world knew, or maybe a few aficionados knew. But Curly, when he when he ran, you noticed that he had a limp, mm-hmm. or when he walked quickly, he had a limp. And uh, and Will said, "Yeah, why is that?" And I said, "Well, he shot himself in the foot when he was 13." Really? Yeah, I mean, that was his rite of passage right there to be a stooge. Yeah. Uh, don't you think? Shooting yourself in the yeah. foot. Yeah, that did wow. set him up. You know, I could just see him, you know, I shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. God, you spent a lot of time watching the stooges, Billy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was uh, saturated. But I, I mean, I liked the Mark bro- Marx Brothers, but they were a little highbrow for me. Oh. Um, I like the uh Hybrid. Yeah, I like the uh just the I don't know, what do they call it? The craftsness or whatever of the stooges, whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, what it is supposed to be. You must really like the fact that, that I mean, our children, Catherine and I sit here and our son's twenty six now and Alex our daughter's twenty three. And you made their lives much, much better as children. They they loved you. Oh, that that's really something great to hear. You know, it's like I, I did come into the business. I didn't want to be famous. I can tell you that. I was right. a musician, and I didn't give a crap about anything. You know, I was, I was a painter, and you know, like that sensitive little, you know, uh, spring-loaded artist. You know, hair trigger the works. And then, um, and then I uh, got out of the band business because I was. They took away my spandex license in 1978. <laughs> Long hair and spandex. Yeah, really. My, I was a little getting a little too old to be shaking my ass around. <laughs> but actually, well, you know, I could do it again now. I, I got my high school body back, you know. Oh, that's good. Working out must avoid old age. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and these other gazers, you know, like our eyes are popping out of our head. It's good, huh? <laughs> feel the burn. <laughs> yeah, feel the death. <laughs> um, but uh, that, the voice stuff, you know, I always had going for me. But I just thought it was something everybody could do. So I, I mean, I, I just kept it to myself um, pretty much in high school. And then um, when I got out, I, I started doing that on stage. Like if we had an emergency, or we. Uh, broke a string or you know an amplifier blew up and i i would just start going into these little routines and everything and people seem to respond to it you know like they like that better than the songs and 
Um, so I kind of took a cue from that, and I went into uh, early stand-up comedy in uh, Boston, probably around 78. Oh, great time in Boston. It's 79, yeah. Um, all my friends were the guys who became famous. I didn't stay with it because I got into radio. And that had to be 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Close to it. You know, I got in uh, 81, I think, or 80. Yeah, so 32 years ago. Yeah, so, um, you know, and I'd be constructing bits. And, you know, you come into work with a People think that you just come in and you can be blithe and glib, but there is some preparation that goes into it, you know. Um there's a very famous, uh, well, he's famous in the business, um, a guy named Eddie Gordetsky. His name is on every show, you know, mm-hmm. like the Chuck Lorre shows, like, uh, you know, Mike and Molly, you see his name at the end, he's executive producer. And right. And that. He and I were dodging the same bullets in radio back in those days. He was uh, a radio guy, too. And, um, you know, we'd be, like, conspiring against the man. <laughs> you know, we'd want to be subversive and um, put in hidden stuff into everything, you know, like like children, thinking they're getting away with something. Right. And uh, we did. We got away with a lot of little cool stuff. Um, you know, and then uh, if you wanted to fake out people, I just, people's tongues were hanging out to see this Rolling Stones show. That's all anybody could talk about back then. God, yeah. And uh, so we held a contest, and and it wasn't a phony contest. You would really win, but one day I came up with the idea, why don't we give away dinner with the Stones? No. And so um, the winner won, we, I mean, the person who won, um, won these tickets, but we didn't have tickets to see the Rolling Stones. We, we just arranged a dinner between them and, and this family we found in the, stone, in the phone book, the Stones. <laughs> <laughs> dinner with the Stones. Mrs. Stone. <laughs> so the winner was very happy about that, I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, after radio... Um, after the Stern show, I mean, it was, it was kind of played rough in there, you know. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I just uh, went with it. The rhythms of that particular show were of a certain pace where, you know, you you, you did or died. You know, it's like it was a tough room. You had to get yeah. over in that room or you were dead. So uh, uh, then I, I started working with Nickelodeon. I, I auditioned for some stuff. And... And the first thing I got with them was a show called Doug. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doug. Oh, yeah. And Doug was, um, you know, paying for the average 11 and a half year old. <laughs> and uh, this is my dog, Porkchop. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Roger Quad. Hey, I'm running for office, funny. <laughs> Vote for this. <laughs> and um, oh, you know, all those voices, those high-pitched, cloying, annoying, genderless <laughs> voices. <laughs> And um, and then at the very same time, Nick was going doing another show called Ren and Stimpy, and um, I auditioned for that. And I was going to do both roles originally, but um, the produ- the producer of the show decided that he was going to do uh, the Ren voice, and so I did uh, Stimpy, which was based. It was an amped up, um, sort of uh, drugged out, sort of Larry Fine, you know, like. Larry Fine on bath salt. Because <laughs> you know, the real Larry would be like, you know, it don't sound very fair to me. You know, and then uh, Stimpy would be like, 
Oh, joy! You know, he'd be like, <laughs> super happy, Larry, because you couldn't have, um, like, him sound, the cartoon sound like a depressed old Jewish guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just kind of wouldn't work, right? Right. And, uh, and so that's how that came about. And then eventually I did Ren after the guy got fired from his show. But the thing was, he and I were not, like, partners or anything. You know, I was a hired gun, and mm-hmm. uh, he wanted me to leave when he got fired, and it was like using me to fight his battles, you know, oh, that I'd God. have to somehow have the cachet to get him back on, but it didn't work like that, not in the real world. Whose idea was it to, to for Ren to sound uh, pretty much like, well, kind of a Peter Lorre? Well, the guy that created the character um, originally wanted me to do it, and he gave me a tape of all these different influences. You know, um, he wound up doing it, but originally, before we were going to do it, he gave me a tape of, uh, oh, I don't know, old Peter Lorre clips and uh, uh, Burl Ives. Oh, yeah. You know, stop it, that's huge. You know, that, <laughs> you had that, you know, this big daddy. <laughs> yes. Well, I like a dog, you're going to die to die like a dog. <laughs> you know, and all that cool old stuff. And, uh, and there was also... Uh, Kirk Douglas in it, mixed in, you know, that real, real emphatic, uh, oh, God, what was it like from Detective Story? I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, yeah. With Kirk Douglas. I hate criminals. (laughs) (laughs) I hate criminals. (laughs) And that was in, I can't eat this. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. I remember. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great movie. But, I mean, I'm a, you know... That's kind of we saw those movies. Those those movies were only about let's see what twenty years old when we first saw them on TV. Yeah, yeah. movies from the forties. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. You know, I mean, God, not that much time. What was I really to tell people like what was the fifties like? Was it Fonzie and um, you know and Chuck Berry? And I go, no, this is white America, Detroit, Michigan. It was Pat Boone. Yeah, Rosemary Clooney. Right. It was the whitest cracker music that you, <laughs> that you ever heard in your life. How much is that in the window? You know, they're going, yeah, but I thought it was like, you know, we'll have be rocking on bandstand. You know, and it was, no, it wasn't like that at all. But, um, but the thing was is that they did show old movies all the time on TV. And, uh, you know, you, you were just... You absorbed it all. I think it was one of one of the great things for me. So so Andy and Alex are when Ren and Stippy started. What are you talking about? Six and four years old, something like that. Nineteen ninety one. So yeah, so you were five and you were five and three actually when oh Ren and God. Stippy started. But was great for us as the parents when Ren and Stippy would would talk. I would know. You know where the inspiration came from. Being you know at that time, so I'm in my late thirties, right? Yeah. So I'm going. Oh my God! It's Peter Laurie. It's Larry Fine. How this is magnificent. And my kids just thought, Hey, it's Ren and Stimpy. You well, know? Yeah. You know what? Kids think that everything old is brand new. Yep. Right. Yeah. Bring yeah. it around. I mean, so did I. You know, when I was a kid, and, and somebody on TV went, uh, Oh, how you like that? <laughs> you know, and I'd say, Boy, that's funny. <laughs> Boy, that character's cool. Meanwhile, this guy is ripping off um, a, a 1940s radio personality right. yeah. named Harry Einstein. He was um, Albert Brooks's father. Right. And uh, he had a character named Parker Carcass, uh-huh. the Greek diner owner. And he would go, oh, oh you like that? <laughs> you know, meanwhile, I had just thought it was funny just because. 
And so now kids see clips of Curly from the Three Stooges, and they think that Curly stole Dr. Zoidberg's noises. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster. Leave the maggots on it. (laughs) I'm settling. Billy, you're never alone. It's wonderful. (laughs) Um... Yeah, of course, um, which which is, I'm still doing it. I, I thought it was, the, me, the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I loved it because of the writing, and even if I had nothing to do with it, I would have uh, absolutely loved it because of the, 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 I don't know, the, the onions, the multiple layers of, of stuff going on. And um, I got to do Philip J. Fry, which is basically what I sounded like. Um, when I was 25, <laughs> you know, I was just whiny. I was whiny. I broke a string. Not what I mean to do. <laughs> you know, I, I remember sounding like that, sort of plain vanilla, and uh, and he was the perfect voice. Plus, I did it because I know that it's really hard to imitate somebody's real voice. Yeah, that's true. You know, if you're doing a character, that's easy to grab onto, but... Um, and Professor Hubert Farnsworth was—he uh, was like a combination of all doddering wizards and magicians and um, cranky old men. You know, good news, everyone. Bad news. <laughs> That's awesome. And Zepp Brannigan was a—he uh, was sort of an amalgam of all the radio guys I came up with really early on. That loved uh, far and away, above everything else in the world, the sound of their own voice. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I keep my balls in a wheelbarrow and uh, <laughs> yeah, sit down inside uh, 20 past uh, 7 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, they're always like, and, and, yeah. You know, it was like the hamburger helper of words, you know, because these guys would swing with every pitch. They didn't believe in any kind of silence. It was like death for them. Right. Meanwhile, there's so much grandeur in silence, taking your choosing your moments and you don't have to fill the air every second like I'm doing right now <laughs> you know but uh, you know these, these guys are like yeah yeah coming to the Worcester Centrum and, and I thought Jeff Brannigan would be kind of like that you know I mean he's, he's just like he's a big bag of hot air and, and he's got that big sonorous voice and he, you know uh, you know it's like uh Kiss the the men. I've made it with a woman. <laughs> I got to tell you, Billy, how many people, when I told them, uh, hey, we're going to have Billy West has agreed to be. Well, first of all, Catherine came to me and said, Billy West has agreed to be on, on, on the podcast. Do you and believe so, it? And, oh, come on. And Andy, our son Andy's 26. Andy, you should talk to Billy because he's your hero. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, that puts him on the spot. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. You want to be in this business? You're going into a business of what? Uh, uh, 95% unemployment. <laughs> uh, your job is looking for work. <laughs> you know, hey, welcome. There's always room for someone else. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I'm very encouraging because every day there's a different new form of media being invented. That's true. You know, like even the servers are going to have content. Yeah, you know, like Google yeah. and Netflix and all. I mean, they're going to create content, and you're, they're always going to need somebody, you know, to to announce or or to perform or whatever. I mean, uh, you know, the world didn't end for me because they won't let guys like me be in animated movies. They got to have celebrities. Yeah, what is that, Billy? I mean, if you don't mind me jumping in quickly. Because they get some notion that it puts asses in the seats, and there's no evidence yeah. of it really that. No. You know, I mean, I remember when I went to see uh, 
what was it? The uh, there was a French cartoon, and it was about these three old sisters, and um, French the, the something. Um, gosh, the sisters of of Belleville, or um, something like that. You could look it up. Andy's looking it up right now. It won all the awards and it, and <coughs> Disney and and everything else, and it was this just totally quality piece of work. And it didn't have one voice in it, which meant there was no celebrities in it. Right. Um, and I thought, well, see, someone wanted to create art. If you, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't give a rat's ass about celebrities. To tell you the truth, I right. really don't. I, I, I try to be the hero <laughs> of my own world because of the way I grew up. And uh, so there was, no, I didn't look up to anybody. To tell you the truth, but artists were my heroes. You know what I mean? They weren't celebrities. No, I understand that completely. Yeah, Actually, artists, painters, uh, the, the innovators, you know, the Renaissance people, they were my heroes. Musicians, uh, great musicianship. Um, and so I thought, well, that's that's what I really want to do. It's like you, I can't not do it. I mean, I, you know, I could say, yeah, I don't know, it looks a little daunting, but, you know, this hand would grab you and take you with it, and you know that feeling. Oh, absolutely. Sort of do or die, you know. <laughs> And uh, so celebrities doing voices, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world for me. I just was angry because there's 19-year-old little firebrands running around out there that are loaded with talent and are spitting out characterizations and voices, and I've seen them, and they won't get a chance to ever do anything like that. Uh, the kids don't care if they're celebrity voices either. They no. don't even That's, recognize you know, it. I always felt like that. And you're a kid, so tell me. <laughs> Well, especially no, no, you're right. Did you find out the name of that movie? Yeah, the Triplets of Belleville. That's oh. it. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. You'll be just—it'll charm the pants off you, and you'll say, "I don't—I don't hear any celebrities. I don't hear any—you know." And and here's my thing about this is the last I'll say about this because it just sounds like I'm bitching, but I'm not. No, you're you know, not. I, mean, I, I work <laughs> ten hours a day. Um, but I, like I said, I feel bad for people that that idolize. The, the position that, that people like me and all my pals are in and like god i want to do that so bad and i hear this passion and i i go yes there is a place for you but you know it won't be in any of those movies unless you go win an emmy and an oscar and then you're then you can go try out for a cartoon as yourself right you know i mean they draw the character to look like you it's supposed to sound like you and i don't know from that world yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have that luxury. Uh, and when I come in the door, all these producers are sitting there with their eyes looking up at you like, we got a bar of lead on the table. Can you turn it to gold before you leave? <laughs> right. You know? and, and then there's alchemy. That's what makes something magic. If, you know, the celebrity comes in and there's a bar of lead on the table and they do their thing and they leave and it's still a bar of lead, if you ask me. Right. Yeah, because nothing has changed. There's no uh, alchemy, like I said. Yeah, well, they did that with the commercial industry, too, the commercial voiceover industry, too. Well, they, their thinking there was they wanted somebody who's, who sounded somehow subliminally familiar. Right. Right. And, uh, but, I mean, in, in spite of that nonsense, um, you know, I mean, I kept going and going and going because um, I never lost my passion for it. I never did. I never got jaded. I'll audition for anything. If you want to work, you've got to audition. People go, you got to audition? I say, yeah, of course. You know, I have, I have that journeyman mentality, that immigrant mentality. 
some... sure, Tom, you know what that means when somebody says that. No, exactly. Our and our dads, and, you know, they had to work like 18 hours a day. And, and now they look down and it's like, you know, you had a chance to work. 20 hours a day and you didn't take it? <laughs> yes, exactly. What are well, you, effed up? <laughs> you need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. The only guy <laughs> the only guy doing 20 hours a day in, in voiceover now is Morgan Freeman. That's about it. Oh, really? I, uh, <laughs> Seems like it. You know, it was so interesting to hear you talk. I have to make water. to hear you talking about you know the the celebrities being all that you know eddie murphy's the donkey and whatever actually he's good because these guys i have to qualify this robin williams mike myers and uh yeah oh eddie murphy and those guys they understand characters you know no that that's very true disembodied voices that have nothing to do with who and what you are but i had a i had this magnificent run from about 1977 till about 1995, probably somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And when I first started in voiceover, commercial voiceover, the um, the actors thought it was beneath them to do commercials. Oh boy, you're not kidding. Remember that? They, oh, oh God, I was a uh, I was at a casting place in New York, and um, sitting up there, I forget who it was, but you know the thing in New York, it's like the elevator door would open to a hallway and. 200 dudes sitting there to read a radio spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, shit. You know, I mean, I should just, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably in the wrong place or something, but this was the place. And uh, and getting into radio was a hell of an electronic business card because it allowed me to audition for Madison Avenue four hours every morning. Jeez. Right. You know, and so that was kind of like cutting the line, um, which, you know, I... I I was in a hurry. I mean, I had, I had wasted so much time drinking and drugging years earlier that I was, um, you know, I was just like overcompensating in my my uh, my inertia to, to just make things go forward. And uh, I'm sitting up there one day with some stuffy Broadway actor type, and um, it was ridiculous. I mean, he was making these noises. He's sitting next to me and he's reading the copy. And he's got the ascot on and the bush jacket. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the actor costume. The actor. <laughs> pockets. That I understand now that I'm 60 years old, the 50 pockets thing, because you got to carry a visine and uh, aspirin and you know, nasal spray. spray and <laughs> It's true. It's true. But I look very boyish. <laughs> yeah, you are. You, you look very, I just saw a, a picture of you, as a matter of fact. You look very, very young. Um, that's because I've been a vegan for 18 years and I work out. Wow. Yeah. I swear to you that had everything to do with it. I looked older 30 years ago than I do now. Wow. 
Well, you know, that'll happen. They say, well, you don't eat meat, you don't eat chicken, you don't eat fish, you don't have any dairy, you don't eat cheese. What, what the hell do you eat? And I go, I carry around a box of bird chow. <laughs> Purina. No, <laughs> Hearts Mountain. Oh. Yeah, Hearts Mountain. It had to be Hearts Mountain. Well, there's, plenty, there's plenty to... Uh, to eat, believe me, vegan cooking, and there's all substitutes. And, and uh, I, you know, yesterday I had this this physical. You know, this is this is like old guy talk. <laughs> I had my physical yesterday. Yes. And the doctor, you know, they hooked me up to the EKG, and I was doing a stress test. And I have been working out, and she knows that my target heart rate for an old geezer should be like 125. Yes. So. I'm going along, and she said, just, you know, you're doing okay? You're feeling okay? I said, if, if I get up to 140, my heart isn't going to start sweating. Right. She said, what do you mean? I said, I get it up to 165. And she was like, um, no, you should talk to a doctor about that. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. And so we're on there, and I get it up to 160, and, you know, I'm not winded, and it's like it feels so good to be able to do that. I couldn't sure. do that 35 years ago. No. And uh, she was. She thought the equipment was broken. <laughs> and she was like, and another guy said this too. Another heart uh, examine examination guy was like, you know, whatever it is you're doing, just keep doing it. <laughs> okay. I said, really? Said, yes, you have the heart of a 19 year old. Wow. And I bet you do too. In the trunk of your car. <laughs> <laughs> So you're working the room, you're doing the voices, <laughs> yeah, you got the heart rate up to 160. Work. Yeah, so, um, um, yeah, gosh, um, I was I was talking about, uh, gosh, I, I, I sidetracked. Just going to the doctor? No, this is great. This is such an open forum, you know. Just... Uh, I, I, I knew you'd, we were really looking, looking forward to this interview because, like, if anybody is going to, no, nobody in my family will interrupt you and not going to ask you silly-ass, stupid, goddamn questions or anything like that. I... Well, it's great. It's the kind of interview uh, that you like because uh, you don't have to just, like, crowd in a bunch of talking points and, right. uh, you know, I mean, it's usually like 10 minutes. Yeah. And they've signed off while you're still talking. <laughs> yeah. Or you're promoting something. Yeah. Gotta go. Billy West. That's uh, The DVDs are coming up on what? December 17th? Okay. All right. <laughs> Billy West, everybody. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, we just uh, we do commentary, and it's like... <laughs> oh, man. You should honestly... got cell phones in case you need any... In case you know anybody that needs a telephone. Well, we probably do. A dial tone. Yeah, a dial tone. Good old-fashioned yeah, dial exactly. tone. Did you, just re-reference, going back to the uh, to the movies for one second, um, mm -hmm. when you would go, so you'd go on auditions for these movie roles in, the, in these animated features. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, if you had the same experience, I said I did voiceover a lot. A voiceover from '77 to '95, yeah. and what happened to me at the end of my career, and I'll still once in a while do a like a Home Depot somewhere, whatever. Sure. Um, but toward the end of my my really really hot career, I would go do an audition, and I would get a call from somebody at the agency. They say, "Well, it's down to three guys. It's yeah. you, Paul Newman, and Morgan Freeman." I mean, uh. oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> well, you know, not necessarily. Well, I suppose you're right. Believe it or not. Um, Back then, the time you're talking about, those guys had no interest, like you said. No, they didn't. They looked down their nose at it. The voice people were the redheaded bastard stepchildren of the industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? It was like uh, 
when I did Space Jam, which was a half-animated feature with Michael Jordan, I did Bugs Bunny and I did Elmer Fudd, and and I got to meet Michael Jordan, the closest thing to a religious figure that we have. <laughs> and uh, I got it out of him one carrot at a time. A million carrots for that movie. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, you know, we went to the premiere. And one of the voice artists called me up. Um, Porky Pig calls me up. <laughs> okay. His name is Bob Bergen, and he's this really, really facile, versatile, talented guy, voice artist. And uh, he said, get this. We're not being invited to the main uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. We're going to go to the little theater next door for the premiere. I go, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She said, he said, I called over there, and the woman said, um, you know, when I asked her, are we going to the Grauman's, the Grauman's Chinese Theater? And she said, oh, no, that's for the actors. Oh, oh God, man. God. Oh, You're man. not on the list. You guys go over to the part of the pool where people piss. <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, I mean, that's basically what it was like. What a bunch of snobby jerks. It's pretty much true. You do go through all that work, and it's like, no, you're not allowed to come to the same theater because oh. you're not an actor. How about if you were around in the 70s, remember everybody was putting Blaupunk radios in sure. their BMWs and stuff? Sure. <laughs> and then you, you're slaving over a hot mic all morning long, and you go out on the street, and it's afternoon, and you go by a car, and it says no radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in New York City, that'll happen. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I mean, but you're wondering after a while, who am I talking to? Everybody, nobody's got a radio in their car because people are stealing them. <laughs> well, they were. I mean, that, were. literally, we, li- we lived at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue. And as you'd walk through that whole area and then over by Gramercy Park and all the rest of it, every single car parked had a sign that said no radio. That's yeah, funny. pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty ironic. Tr- <laughs> um, yeah, they had those quick release ones where you could take it with you. Take it with work. you. Yeah. 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 I, um, I know that the radio sort of reinvented itself. Um kind of like a right wing sort of thing well they're getting killed now though i'm sorry i said they're getting killed because of because of the way arbitron measures it now at ppm yeah right wing talk radio gets crushed in the ratings well it's not the team to be on you know it's no it's like the 1980s detroit tigers or something (laughs) line up in the dugout uh al rantel or whoever the hell they are (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah. jack now is uh sean hannity yeah. He's had a bad year. Went <laughs> <laughs> back, shortstop. Yeah, that's uh, that's an the, the interesting Detroit word. Tigers of 1985, I think. Yeah, 1985 was that was it? Was that 85? The year the Tigers went 35 and five to start the season. Oh my god! Uh, I don't know. It was just it was abysmal. <laughs> No, no, they're not. I was talking about the year they won the World Series. Oh, no, I'm talking about the year they, they were just like, they weren't anywhere. They weren't in safe distance of the World Series. Oh, God. Well, there's a lot of years for both the Twins and the Tigers on that okay, lot. Let's, let's get out of the baseball. How about the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the facts aren't right there. Bengals. We'll just we'll, we'll move along. I don't even know how to Google baseball stats. I don't. Know you don't? That. No. <laughs> I wow. just googled Detroit Tigers, and I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, they're never going to pendant. Took him to the zoo. I used to drive a delivery truck, and I was never that big on sports, but I loved the announcers. You know, <laughs> in Boston we had Johnny Most, who was yeah. so pro Boston it was not funny. He was this old guy, and he had this low voice. You know. Larry Bird. Larry Bird has the ball. That's, that's Bill Lambert. That's Steve Adore. 
you know, he was so pro Boston. And then I used to drive a truck, I remember. Um, I didn't go to college. I went to one semester of Berkeley School of Music. It wasn't even a college, you know, and that was that. But I was driving a truck, and I had a baseball bat, not for hurting anybody. Right, sure. No. <laughs> Not for hurting anybody. And, uh, and I would drive down the beach, you know, and I would bat rocks into the ocean and call the plays and stuff. Well, that's... I, you know, there was really nothing to do back then. I didn't have any money, and I'd be like, you know, looking for that Gedry fastball. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but that's how you built your career. I mean, that's exactly... You had to do it for yourself before you did it for anybody else. You know what? It was, it was a compulsion there. It was not yeah. like I could help it. No. It's like it's like kind of never growing up. You know, in school, the teacher would go, can you help it? You know, <laughs> can you not do that? I said, what do you mean? It's called being a kid. Right. You know, and uh, I think, like I said, because I was so stifled all the time that uh, I was dying to express myself and uh, contribute or just be part of something. That's what I really wanted, to bring something to the table and try to, you know, make a difference. If you'd been growing up today, they might have put you on Ritalin, and maybe you never would have oh, gotten absolutely. anywhere. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, my mom, she was afraid. I was, I was very short, very small, petite kind of kid, and I'm, you know, I get gypped. Somehow, I was, I was five foot six in high school, and uh, and I just had that physical I told you about the other day. And uh, I said, "Let's see how tall you are." And I said, "Oh, about five foot six. And he goes, "You're five foot four. <laughs> and, and it's because the cartilage in my knees, I had some real serious problems, you know, where they were grinding away all the time. Oh, years. yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll be damned if two inches of it didn't disappear somewhere, yeah. maybe a disc, you know, shortened or yeah. whatever. But I used to think that was a riot, you know, that that uh, they'd say, oh, no, no, you get smaller when you get older. And I said, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you weren't you know, buying it. set in place after all those many years. And, oh, no. No, I went through the uh, same thing. Uh, what? I went from six one and a half to six feet tall even. Like I said, I'm about a year younger than you are. Same thing happened to me. Isn't that funny? It's weird. It's like... Listen, you know what this is? It's like people listening in on a nursing home porch. <laughs> this part is... Actually, this I'm part of it is... I'm shrinking. Nursing home porch. <laughs> My hernia scar. Look, what a good job they did. What I really enjoyed earlier, <clears throat> when you talked about going in for your physical, you said, you said, it, you said it just like this. I went in for a physical yesterday. <laughs> you became an old Jewish man because you went in for your physical. Well, you know what it was? They, they, all those guys loved Myron Cohen. Oh, God, yeah. You know, for people who don't know, and of course you don't know, um, uh, it's, he was a storyteller, and he was, he was a Yiddish bent, Yiddish sort of dramatics when he was telling a story, except he was very, very funny. Yeah. Tonight show. Because it's not a question. You know, like talking like a rabbi, you know, should that you laugh at these things? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I get everything from everywhere. Everything went into the percolator. There was nothing I didn't uh, like or, or absorb or, you know, bad and good. I mean, it, it, it was just uh, input. Yeah, and you made this wonderful life of it. That's the, see, that's the great thing. You started out. You felt like shit every day. I'm, I'm oh, sure. Every day. <laughs> I'm sure that you really feel great around the holidays because uh, I know when the holidays approach, I get nuts. Oh, the holidays. You know what? I, I don't feel so bad. You know, it's like 
Um, my Christmases were pure hell on earth back right. in Detroit, and I don't want to belabor that stuff. But um, I got to kind of not care about the whole uh, the external aspects of Christmas. I mean, I thought about spiritually. I thought, well, what does this all mean to me? You know, I mean, um, I believe in a higher power. I, I was raised Catholic. I had the, the Catholic stuff shoved down my throat. I knew the Mass in Latin. I was an altar sure, boy. Sure, absolutely. You know, and... You know, so don't tell me. I probably know more about religion than most people, the people that consider themselves religious. But I saw a lot of holy hijinks going on. <laughs> I know. Backstage. You. Backstage. You know? This is a direct quote, actually, because yeah, I was an altar boy for one week. Oh, boy. When I was, when I was in seventh. Bony fingers on your knees. Tell me you didn't. No, no, no. No bony fingers. <laughs> Hello, my son. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly yeah, what yeah. it is. Don't tell anybody. We, uh... You know, on Palm Sunday... A pre-cum. Oh! oh. <laughs> I like it. Oh. <laughs> on Palm Sunday, you had to come home from Mass with a, with a palm, obviously, right? Right. So we didn't... My friends and I decided we weren't going to Mass on, on Palm Sunday. So we knew we had to go into the church and get a palm. So it looked like we went to Mass. Right. Okay? We're standing up in the sacristy and looking at all these palms... And there were four of us, and this is a direct quote. Now, this is four seventh-grade boys, right? Mm-hmm. And my friend looks at me and says, well, all I have left are the fucked-up ones. <laughs> and, I t- and I turned around, and the Monsignor was standing right behind oh, me. Monsignor. Oh, my God, Billy. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's funny. Oh. Did you get your ears boxed? So, I mean, that, that yeah. really does wonders for your, your sense of the wonder of Christmas <laughs> and all that stuff. All that hypocrisy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was uh, in parochial school, and it was all nuns, and they yep. were so wound tight. And uh, they had old paintings in those old uh, convents, yeah, like real old oil paintings that somehow, you know, they got a hold of. I mean, God loves good art. <laughs> he loves great real estate. I know that. Sure. You know, pick the best place, the best <laughs> outlook overhang that looks at the ocean and and God wants that. There's the church there, you know. Oh, he just loves it. No question. Well, how- so, oh, God's smart. So, so I was um, looking at this painting in the hallway, and it was the crea- uh, not the creation. It was Adam and Eve. Yeah. And I'm staring at it, and I, I actually appreciated art. I was one of those kids that wanted to draw, and I was interested. And she was like, what are you looking at? You know, and I was like, I'm looking at this painting. And, uh, she, she said, yeah, what of it? You know, it's like no intellectual curiosity, no pedantic, uh, you know, desire to help me understand something. You know, nothing. What are you looking so, at? So um, I said, I, I, you know, it's just very interesting. Really, what's interesting? And I said, well, God created, you know, Adam. He fashioned Adam from 100 pounds of the clay of the earth. That's right. <laughs> you know, like that. What you know? What question is there about that? And? You know, like someone was there, you know, chronicling it. And uh, and I said, yeah. And so so then he he fashioned him in his own image and likeness. Yeah. And he and he and then suddenly the clay took human form. Yes. <laughs> And I, and I said, so he, and then he took Adam's piece of Adam's rib and he created Eve. That's right. Well, you know, what's your problem? And I said, well, why do they have belly buttons? 
and was like a steaming tea kettle. <laughs> it practically exploded. Right. Yeah, because every painting they had these beautiful innies. Sure. The innies, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, da Vinci, everybody put he put them. You know, that was his little wink. <laughs> he, he was like Da Vinci was this gay blade, you know, that was up in the Sistine Chapel and you know, well, whatever the, uh, you know, on the scaffold yeah. for sixteen years. But I mean, there was little hijinks going on there and everything and the religious people knew it but they said to him look we gotta sell this pig you know make it make it really look like there is a place where god lives and uh and he did it but yeah. these guys you know the church paid them and they they had the time of their life you know they said oh he was suffering up there and everything but no not exactly you know he had company he had company. Yeah, That's you true. guys get up there. <laughs> Billy. But, you know, I mean, that whole business is like, it just knocked all the joy of anything out of me. Um, that, that constant, you know, uh, like your, your, your soul is being held over the pit of hell, you know, like a loathsome insect <laughs> at God's discretion. And it's like, I mean, I was afraid enough, you know, of humans. Yeah. Now I got to worry about the, you know, the the celestial or the supernatural or whatever, the religious. And so, you know, Christmas, I don't feel so bad, you know, I'm like going, I, I don't really care about this. I'm not going out there and I'm not going to fight for my life for a parking space and get into it with people. But I realize these people don't give a shit about Christmas any more than I do. Right. They really don't. I mean, that they're willing to kill someone over a parking space. Yeah. They don't care about whatever the meaning of Christmas is. No, they just had a slugfest over the new Air Jordans. This is true. Oh, really? The new really? Air Jordans. Yeah, and people are getting worse. Yeah, they are. You tell me they love Christmas more than ever? I don't think so. Nike, you're right. You know, I mean, I hate to be so, you know, a downer about it, but, but believe me, I did come from a very religious background. And, you know, so I kind of, I know both sides of things. And, 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 hey, if you want to enjoy stuff, I mean, I truly did believe in Santa Claus till I was 10. Yeah. Yeah, my mom really kept it a secret. My mom was a, a very great person, still is, you know. Uh, she's the one that saved me from becoming, you know, like a mass murderer or something. <laughs> right. You know, I had Mine this too. unerodible core that was installed or instilled from her example. And um, so it wasn't all too terribly bad. I mean, I uh, grew up basically with a mom as a parent and... And women have always been my best teachers, I can tell you that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we have that in common as well. My... Yes, that's the thing. I'm not married, you know. I was. But when I'm in Europe and I'm doing these shows or signing autographs and stuff, the girls give you their Skype addresses. Please. Yeah, that's right. And they do not, don't home. they? I'll go home and we'll Skype. I'll be Skyping a particular woman for like, I don't know, two, three months. And I'll say, you know, we've been window shopping each other for all this time. Why don't we just meet somewhere? And you know what? They they met me. A couple of them, it's like I said, I just want to have a good time. I want an adventure. I don't want to go down the street and go to a movie and have a you know a faux Italian dinner at the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> so romantic that that's an Italian restaurant. <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean. And uh, but it's like it's an adventure. I go to an, I'll go to another country. I get to see things and and uh, and hang out with somebody that always you know kind of turns out to be great. It's a that's a wonderful thing. So your mother's still alive? Yes. God, you're so lucky. Yeah, I know it. Believe me, I 
I call her up. I wish I could be there all the time. She's in Boston, but I said, you know what? Yeah. You're coming out here where I can keep an eye on you out to California. How old is she now? She's uh, 80. She's, eight, she's only 80. Well, that's good. Yeah, but you know what? She doesn't have a wrinkle. Really? <laughs> really? She yeah. vegan? I think I got a lot from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think you probably did. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, also a, a, a morality code of some sort. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have. Uh, I had um, one brother. He passed on, but I have my youngest brother is out here uh, where I am, and uh, you know I, I kind of take care of him. Well, that's nice. That's yeah. nice of you. Well, I mean, you know, I just got to keep an eye on him for all intents and purposes. When we left Detroit, I was the man of the house since I was ten years old. Yeah, same story. Yeah, isn't that funny? That is so bizarre that you and I met on this podcast because mm-hmm. I could sit and talk to you for about 10 hours. But I mean, at 10 years, it was 10 years old. And I, I, I you know, we've been keeping you way too long, but, and maybe no, you did you know this. You know what? I, I, I said, you know, to, to the publicist, I said, listen, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody for more than 15 minutes because it's that usual, you know, dithering. You know, we got a phone that does a great ran. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I got stuff to plug here, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Exactly, but the thing was, is I was that guy, you know, years ago in radio. Yeah, yeah I don't. Some, they'd have some big shot on us, like I don't know if you ever heard of Billy West. And I'd be like, <laughs> Well, you brought joy to men. I tell you, in this family, you brought joy to two generations. I can guarantee oh, you that. And that's that's just so great to hear that. It is it really a fact. Is. I mean, to me, uh, laughter. Honest to God, it's a lifesaver. Gosh, you know, there's been so many times when I have talked to kids that were really, really sick and, uh, you know, just fooling around and, and, you know, making them be aware that there's some sense of madness and magic and all kinds of other stuff that they can't see or put their hands on, but, but it's there. Yeah, and um, and they asked me like, "What did you do when you were my age?" And I said, "I was a sickly kid <laughs> with black eyes." You know, oh, that's oh, terrible. God. I will what tell happened? you, I caught a pitch. I uh, <laughs> I'll close with this story. You 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 talk about doing Am uh, I too too morose. Is this too? No, awesome? no, no, Billy. No, no it's wonderful. It's been great, actually. Got it. I, we'd love to have you come you back can again. Say, we are shut up, you little monkey. <laughs> He's a monkey. <laughs> I'd like a couple of hamburgers, please, and uh, make them raw. I'm out in... Uh, Ernest Borgnine? Ernest Borgnine. Isn't that the name? Isn't Ernest Ernest Didn't he sound like that a little Catherine. bit? Didn't no. he sound like that? What did he say? He sweet, sweet mom. Ernest Borgnine. Didn't he sound like that? Didn't he have that voice? No. Billy, my wife has he lost her mind. Oh, my what God. Ernest Borgnine? Didn't she he sound Billy. like that a little bit? No, it was not no. Ernest Borgnine. Who am I thinking? I used to watch McHale's Navy. He was like, holy jumping Hannah, Chuck. <laughs> Okay, who am I thinking of? Who Peter knows? Peter Laurie. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. She's well, lost it, Billy. Of, like quintessential screaming angry maniac. <laughs> I think it's the year I'm talking is 1982. I think it was 82. Oh, those yeah, 1982 for 20, Alex. I'm <laughs> I'm out in Los Angeles at Buzzies. Oh yeah. Okay, and so I'm going out. You know that long hallway they got? Or I didn't even know. Is Buzzy still there? Yes, it is. Oh Jesus! You know, the long hallway there. Yep. So I'm coming down the hallway, and Mel Blanc is coming up the other way. Oh, wow. And I'd never met him. And I said, hello, Mr. Blanc. And he said, 
Yeah, kid, I know. It's great to meet me. It was wonderful. He was on automatic pilot at that point. He was indeed, but he was very. He was very nice. It was just, yeah, I know. It's good to meet me. Yeah, I was like, let's get this over with, shall we? Yeah, I I think he probably forgets the impact that he had on guys like you and me. Oh, huge! I mean, I did meet him. Um, It's a funny story. I I went to this old hall, this old college lecture hall at Clark University in Worcester. It was wooden, you know, old. And uh, I happened to catch in the paper in the 80s that Mel Blanc was going to be there doing a voice and slideshow, meaning he would show slides of the characters, you know. And uh, we didn't have DVDs, you know, it was either that or film. And, um, and there he was on stage, and I'm watching, and he did all these great, fantastic things. And, and then at the end, he said, uh, if you want to get an autograph, uh, just make a line over here, if you would. You know, and uh, right. so I got up and I started body slamming little kids <laughs> the board like a hockey player. <laughs> and he caught me and he said, could you let the little kids go first? You know, it was oh. like he was yelling at me. <laughs> and I felt like, oh, my God. But I finally go up and, and he signed for me. And uh, it, it was like when I shook his hand, I... I I can never stop saying this. I only liken it to that painting of the creation where you know God is sort of reaching down with his index finger. Yeah, yeah. Little man is standing there, you know, uh, pointing his index finger upward, hoping to get some of that DNA. You know. <laughs> yes, I understand. But uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've been really lucky. I've met almost well all my heroes, guys like Jackson Beck. Oh yeah. You know, who was um, Pluto in the Popeye cartoons, but he was also at Little Caesar's Pizzas. Yes. You know, he, was, he was a great announcer. And, uh, you know, and I met Stan Freeberg out here, and I met Les Paul. You know, I was a musician, and he was one of my heroes. Right. Jeff right. Beck knew who I was. I was like, I almost fell over. Everybody knows who you are, Billy. Oh, man, I don't assume that, believe me. we got to have you back on the podcast again really yeah, I soon. I love that. I really enjoyed this. I, you, I can't thank you enough for uh, having me on. You are, as I said at the very beginning of the in- interview, you're a legend. Oh, and my God. It was so exciting for for our children to, to be on this show with you today. Wow. Well, Yay. Billy, we'll talk soon. You have been incredible. Thank oh, you, sir. Thanks a million. Thanks. You're the best. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. The final word. <laughs> Billy funny. West, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez, he's got a million voices just right in front of his face. Amazing. Amazing. Click on the Amazon banner at TomBernardPodcast.com and buy all of your gifts through our site. It doesn't cost you a penny more to shop through our site. And a portion of proceeds goes to Smile Network. Click shop and support the show. Shop online through the Amazon banner at TomBernardPodcast.com. A portion of the profits of the Tom Bernard Podcast goes directly to the Smile Network. The Smile Network is a nonprofit organization that provides life-altering, reconstructive surgeries, related health care services to impoverished children and young adults in developing countries. The Smile Network, together, we are constructing lives one bright, smiling face at a time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Tom Bernard Podcast. You had a great Follow Tom on Twitter at Radio Tom Bernard. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. And visit TomBernardPodcast.com. Good. I recommend you to a friend.